For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. During this season, we have not only told you about those that we know were victims of the Speed Freak Killers. We have also included some unsolved cases that are believed to be attributed to Sherman Tyne and Herzog. If you have any information or leads on any of the cases that we have featured, however small or trivial you think it may be, please either contact the Sheriff's Office or you can leave an anonymous tip via our website. Can you imagine living minute after minute, hour after hour, day after day, year after year, not knowing what happened to your parent, your sibling, your child, or your friend? Philip Cabot Lloyd Martin went missing from Stockton on the 30th of September, 1993, aged 47. He disappeared after failing to collect his daughters from school and has never been seen or heard from again. His gold 1987 Chevrolet Celebrity car was found burnt out a few days later in an area that was well known for this type of crime. We spoke to Philip's daughter, Marie, about her father's disappearance in episode four. Wherever he ran into Sherman Tyne and Herzog and they drug him off to wherever they drug him off to. Gail Marie Marks went missing in Stockton on the 18th of October, 1988, aged 18. She disappeared after visiting her local DMV office and has never been seen or heard from again. We spoke to Gail's mother, Sue Kaiser, in episode five. And he's trying to put all the blame on Herzog. She looked more his type. Donald Ray Sadbury Jr., known to everyone as Donnie, was found deceased on the 5th of April, 1993, in room 111 of the Acorn Inn in Stockton. While we know he was shot, it has never been established if there was foul play involved. We spoke to Donnie's sister, Michelle, and her husband, Tony, in episode 9. People were tortured there and convinced to do what they wanted them to do. Michaela Garrett went missing on the 19th of November, 1988, aged just nine, from Hayward. Michaela was abducted in broad daylight outside the Rainbow Mart. 
Michaela has never been seen or heard from again. We spoke to Frank Garaldo, a law enforcement veteran, about Michaela in episode 11. Anybody who's ever seen the composite looks exactly like Lauren Herzog. Terry Ann Fauche was last seen late August 1996 by a friend in Reno. She was 28 years old when she went missing. Terry has never been seen or heard from again. We spoke to retired homicide detective Alan Fox from Reno about Terry's disappearance in episode 16. The last time they were in Reno was when Terry Fauche was last seen. Tracy Diane Melton was last seen on the 6th of May, 1998, at a clinic in Stockton. Tracy was 32 years old when she went missing and left her three children behind. Tracy has never been seen or heard from again. We talked about Tracy's case on episode 16. While Tracy Melton is not a confirmed victim of the Speed Freak Killers, she was in the right area at the right time. We have one final unsolved case we want to tell you about. Dina Viola McCann. Dina disappeared on December 6, 1981. She was 18 years old. At the time of her disappearance, she was 5 foot 6 inches tall with blonde hair and green eyes. She weighed around 130 pounds. Dina was last seen wearing a thick white sweater jeans that were too big for her slim frame, nylon stockings, and open-toed heel shoes. We asked Athena, Dina's aunt, if she knew why Dina would have been wearing pants that were too big for her. She said she thought that Dina had started her period, and she had stained her own pants from this, so had borrowed some from a friend. Dina was driving a black and yellow 1974 Toyota Corolla with a black vinyl roof. Its California plate was 004JXC. Apparently, Dina had been visiting a friend in Sacramento and was on her way home around 2 a.m. when she stopped at a gas station near Stockton to refuel her car. The gas station attendant said that they saw two men harassing Dina, and he asked if she needed help. Dina told the attendant that she would be fine. I'm fine, thank you. We have been unable to trace the gas station attendant. While creating this episode, we now know why. Tracy, Rob, and Alan have been diligently investigating Dina's disappearance. The information about the gas station attendant had been printed in the newspaper back when she disappeared as an actual fact. But in reality, this information was provided by a psychic. No such gas station attendant has come forward to suggest that it is true. Despite there being a $50,000 reward for information relating to the disappearance of Dina, neither Dina nor her car have ever been seen again. Unfortunately, the weekend Dina went missing, her parents and siblings were on vacation, so there was no one in the house expecting her home. However, when they returned, 
Dina's purse and ID were all in the house. This seems to suggest maybe she did make it home and then went back out as girls don't generally go far or out at all without these items. We spoke to Dina's brother Lance, who was just nine at the time of her disappearance, about what he can recall. His memories are vague, and we have to remember he was very young at the time too. We asked Lance to introduce himself. My name is Lance McCann. I grew up on the east side of Stockton, California. When I was nine years old, my sister came up missing, and which was very traumatic, you know, for my for my father and the whole family and the whole community as a whole, really. I'm remembering back from when I was nine and uh, over the years, we moved more north and I grew up uh, near Victory Park here in Stockton. And now I'm a local real estate agent and um, active in the community and just trying to do good for everybody. We then asked Lance to tell us about Dina and what happened when she went missing. Dina is my sister from my dad's previous marriage. I was nine years old, so in my memory of her is very, very vague. I have another sister named Allison. And so she went to work, she worked at Kmart, and then her mom went to Hawaii for a week. And then when mom came back, there was no sign of her. So, you know, panic set in, you know, we're trying to call people, hey, have you seen Dina, have you seen Dina? No, and then we involved the police. In our ongoing journey dissecting real-life mysteries, I've found a perfect companion in a game that not only captivates, but also lets me step into the shoes of a detective in the glamorous 1920s, June's Journey, as someone who's delved deep into the game, playing through the intriguing scenarios of June Parker, I can personally vouch for its immersive experience. In June's Journey, you unravel the mystery of June Parker's sister's murder. Each scene is a visual and intellectual puzzle, with hidden clues scattered across beautifully crafted locations. What I've enjoyed most is the depths of the storyline. Each chapter peels back a layer of this thrilling narrative, revealing danger, mystery, and romance. Besides the allure of solving mysteries, the game lets you design and customize your own luxurious estate island. Building my estate has been a delightful escape offering a creative break from the intense narratives we tackle on the podcast. For those of you who enjoy the blend of history, mystery, and narrative depth we explore on this podcast, June's Journey offers a chance to live out those elements in a beautifully interactive setting. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android, and join me in this ongoing quest to uncover hidden truths and solve complex mysteries. After Dina's disappearance was reported to Stockton Police Department, Lance remembers the house becoming a hive of activity. So I remember the FBI setting up the, it's like, just like, you know, watching Kojak, they have the the dual reel tape, you know, everybody's in my house, we're waiting for the phone to ring, people are in and out of the house. So they checked her bank accounts, there was no, you know, no activity there. And she, mom left a check for her because she was in Hawaii. That check was never cashed. Boyfriend in Sacramento, she went up to sea and never, we, we determined that she went to Sacramento and never made it back. So she actually arrived in Sacramento. I saw the boyfriend and then 
you know, no body was ever found. We had a guy who used his own gas, his own plane, and he was flying grids back and forth between here and Sacramento looking for the car. And it was just, you know, crazy. My parents went to psychics and, you know, they did everything they possibly could to try to find her. What was the age difference between you and her? She was 18 and I was nine. So okay. there was about so do, you, do you remember her going missing at all? I do, like, I mean, because it was like my whole house was turned. My dad's in the corner crying. You know, it, it's, it's tough to see your hero, your dad, broken. You know, one, I, I mean, I can't even imagine, really. I mean, even though I lived through it, it, you know. We asked Lance how long the FBI were at the house. It seemed like forever, but it's probably realistically probably a month or so. The timeline is very short okay. when, when things happen. And um, there may be those whole phone calls on the somewhere. It'd be, you know, be nice to see. And it may not have been in the FBI. Maybe they're just cops in suits and ties, you know, you know, but to me, they look like men in black. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm presuming they were FBI. Lance remembers his parents getting random calls to the house after Dina was reported missing. Him and his family do not know if they were prank calls or not. One particular call stuck in Lance's mind as his parents talked about it afterwards. The caller said he knew what had happened, but if he told them, he would be killed. People called. We have, t- you know, there's a... When then, I'm like, oh, people, you know, a lot of people know. But as you get older, you realize a lot of people just want attention. So there's a few calls that seem to be, um, my parents, there was this one call. He was a biker. He's like, I know it happened to your daughter, but I can't say or they'll kill me. I'll call you back in a few days. And then that call never came back. So who knows? You know, maybe somebody saw him on a pay. Because, you know, everybody had a pay. You had you had no phone. You had to use a payphone back then. We asked Lance if he remembers any other calls. No, because when the calls come in, they you know they would usher us out, and we would I would only get like secondhand information. And there was people calling like, "Oh yeah, I know what happened to your sister, and she's over here." So I remember my dad grabbing his forty-five and driving out to the boondocks with my uncle or he wasn't really my uncle his name is ed hess he was my uncle by you know you have a close friend they would drive out to the boondocks and they got pulled over right you know you just back then you have a gun on the dash and it was no big deal now you're, yeah, now you're yeah, yeah so you know they they would go on these little missions when every time something would happen and sometimes they would wait for the cops and sometimes they wouldn't Having a family member missing causes a huge strain on families. We asked Lance what it was like at home after his sister, Dina, went missing. You know, fighting all the time, you know. Understandable. Because it doesn't have a process. Yeah, like how do you process that? Uh, and after a while, things kind of, you know, got back to normal. He started focusing, uh, you know, on raising the kids that he had left, me and my brother. Uh, uh, I have an identical twin, and so, and then his daughter. So, you know, then they were more like, where are you going? And, you know, we didn't have cell phones back there, and we, you know, my parents got us pagers, and like, you know, 
if we text you, you know, you need to call us, you know, let us know where you're going, you know, check in. The same type of stuff I do with my kids now, like you have a, a cell phone, you can let me know where you're at. They letting me, not telling me where you're at or is an excuse. Mm -hmm. you know, they don't really take off or do stuff mm -hmm. like that, but he's gone out. My son who's 17, he's gone out with his friends, like texting him, he's ignoring my call. Like, just because there's a girl there and you want to be cool, you know, like, I'm your dad. I'm the one who's going to be bailing your ass out if you're in trouble or, you know. I need to know where you're at. We asked Lance if there was anything else he would like to say. Help my family get some closure. I mean, as best as whatever closure is, right? Put it into the story. Bring the, bring the remains home so we could have our family again. Yeah, so we can have a funeral or a memorial yeah. or whatever. That's a hard thing. As you know, Lance was very young when his sister went missing. Her disappearance affected him growing up and how he now worries about his own children. As part of our work on Dina's disappearance, we also spoke to Athena, who was Dina's aunt, through Dina's stepmother. We asked her about Dina. She was a very beautiful young lady. Very intelligent, loving, kind. I always got a kick out of her because she was uh, so uh, meticulous about her, uh, the way she looked. And that girl wouldn't go out of the house unless her clothing and her makeup was just so-so. She tells us about the call she received from her sister. I got a phone call saying Dina was missing. And I said, what are you talking about? And, you know, and she said, Dina had gone to Sacramento. A friend of hers was sick. So she went up there to take him some soup. I was here in Arkansas. So what I did, I was working for the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company at the time. And uh, as soon as I got a copy of the poster, I started making hundreds of posters. And uh, my husband at the time was a 18-wheeler driver. So he was going from state to state. So I would give him a bunch of them and ask him to, to put them out in the different states that he was going to. And then uh, Dina's dad, you know, my brother-in-law, Fred. My God, that man, when he worked on the railroad. And when he was home, he wasn't home. He was out searching for her. And he was just uh, every day, I mean, he was out there looking for her. And everybody in the family, I, I mean, I... I Found out later on, my brother and his wife would go down like towards the river, all around over there looking for her. We asked Athena if the family at any point thought that Dina had just run away. Oh, no, no, no. She never had no reason. She just wasn't like that. And, you know, she was working at the time, and I believe she was going to school too, but. She didn't even pick up her paycheck, you know? I mean, it just, it was not like Dina. Dina was very responsible. 
and she was very close to the family. You know, there was just no, no reason at all. Athena said that the police never spoke to her about Dina's disappearance. Nope. And, you know, I, I, I can't remember them talking to anybody except for Gina and Fred. And, uh, because I, I know they, you know, they had uh, put out posters out there in California and everything for her. I, I know they received a couple of phone calls. Uh, they got one phone call from this man. He said he was a truck driver and that Dina's with me, but she doesn't want to come home. And my sister and her husband said, well, you know, just we just want to talk to her. We just want to know she's okay. And he hung up. And then another phone call they got was from uh, they. My sister said he talked with broken English. She thought maybe he was uh, like a Mexican man. And uh, he sounded scared on the phone. He told them that. I know what happened to your daughter. I know where she's at, but I I can't tell you right now. My life is in jeopardy. And as soon as I feel safe, I will call you back. And they never heard from him anymore. It was weird because later on, my sister told me, I think it was a week or so later, that they found a, a, a deceased Hispanic man. And she always wondered if that man was a man that called her. Uh, another thing, my daughter, she was in California. You know, she was living in California at the time. And uh, her and two of my nieces were driving around Lodi and they spotted a car that they thought was Dina's car. And they called my sister and asked her to verify Dina's license number. And she swears it was the car. So they started following it in Lodi. And it was a a Hispanic man that was driving the car. The way my daughter described it to me, he was heavy set. Athena is convinced that the car that was spotted was Dina's car. She said the license plate was the same and everything. The sighting was just a week or two after Dina went missing. Unfortunately, Athena's daughter lost sight of the car and it has never been spotted again. Athena is not sure if the speed freak killers are involved with Dina's disappearance. She feels that the person or persons responsible were people who knew the family. However, Dina went missing from the Stockton area at the time we know the speed freak killers were active, so they can't be ruled out. Attention friends, are you ready to embark on a journey into the unknown this Mother's Day? Prepare to dive into the depths of your family's history with mylifeinabook.com. Each week, mylifeinabook.com sends intriguing questions uncovering the thrilling tales of your mom's past, and then she can either type her response or use their voice-to-text feature. From daring escapes to nail-biting encounters, 
her life becomes an epic adventure waiting to be explored. This Mother's Day, give the gift of excitement and intrigue with mylifeinabook.com. It's a thrilling ride through your mom's life that you won't want to miss. I gave this to my mom last year, and let's just say I didn't know my mom as well as I thought I did. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code SHANE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code SHANE for 10% off today. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 11 minutes and 22 seconds of this episode, we have decided to remove. This audio related to Dina's case. Wendy and I take pride in assuring that the information you hear on Foul Play will not harm the investigation. And this audio included interviews of leads that need followed up on by investigators. Because of COVID-19, we have not been able to return to San Joaquin County in California since our initial weeks there in February. Bounty hunter Rob Dick, retired investigator Alan Fox, and Tracy Myers have remained on the ground actively investigating this case. Their dedication has uncovered more leads surrounding Dina's disappearance, and we hope to bring those details to you in the future. There is one more detail about this case that is important to note. Dina's friend Kathy disappeared a year before Dina. She was later found murdered. Her remains were found three weeks after her disappearance. Kathy's murder remains unsolved. If you have any news about Dina, her car, or any of the other cases that we've covered, please do get in touch. When Shane and I started this series, we had no idea quite how many twists and turns this case would take, how many rabbit holes we would fall down, how many thousands of pages of documents we would read, how many amazing people we would meet along our journey, and just how many people were involved. So the question remains, how many people did Sherman Tyne and Herzog, also known as the Speed Freak Killers, actually kill? The honest answer is, we will never know. Sherman Tyne is the only one who really knows, and maybe he doesn't even know the true number. What we do know is that it is likely to be somewhere between 80 and 120. That's at least 100 families that don't know what happened to their loved one. That's thousands of people that wonder every day, where are they, what happened, and maybe most importantly, why? Let's hope that before Sherman Tyne dies, he gives up more of his secrets so that some of these cases can be solved. Joanne Hobson's mother, Miss Shelley, erected a memorial to her daughter on the road close to the well site in which her remains were located. Here is a final word from Miss Shelley. I want peace for the other families. 
and the other victims. And that's why I still keep the memorial there because, you know, there's other victims that was in that well. And, you know, they need to be honored, you know. So that's why, even though I have the remains of Joanne and she's not there anymore, I still, you know, honor the other victims. And like I said, I feel like she was a vessel to bring the rest of the people home. And if more had done the right thing, we could have brought, brought the other victims home. And that's another reason I'm so mad. And I'll never be not mad about this. Cindy van der Heiden was the last victim of the Speed Freak killers, losing her life just months before they were arrested. Therefore, we would like to end this season with Cindy's father, John van der Heiden, reminding us why he leaves his porch light on, despite being able to finally lay his daughter to rest in 2012. When she left, we always left the light on. And uh, when she went missing, the light stayed on. The light had been on for uh, 20 or 12, 14 some years, and it's still on. And I guess that's just uh, in case anybody else is lost, they can find their way home. Find their way. We would like to thank every single person that helped us with the maps on season three of Foul Play. We cannot thank the families enough for inviting us into their lives and giving us the privilege of listening to and presenting their stories. They have been to hell and back, yet they were willing to help us to try and help those who still don't know what happened to their loved ones. Joanne Hobson's mother, Miss Shelley, and her sister, Michelle. Chevy Wheeler's mother, Paula. Cindy van der Heiden's father, John, and her sister, Kim. Robin Armtrout's niece, Catherine. Dina McCann's brother, Lance. And Aunt Athena, Gail Marks's mother, Sue Kaiser. Philip Martin's daughter, Marie. Donald Sadbury's sister, Michelle, and her husband, Tony. We also want to thank all the law enforcement officials, present and retired, who gave up their time to tell their stories. Pat Withrow, the current sheriff of San Joaquin County. Alan Fox, Carlos Brito, Frank Garaldo, and Marty Carlson. To bounty hunters Rob Dick and Lena Padilla, especially Rob, who gave us an amazing insight into the work he has done on the case and showed us the maps. To the specialists that helped us and you to understand the more complicated areas of this case. Mike, who helped us analyse the interviews of Shermantine and Herzog in episodes 6 and 7. Paul Holes for his knowledge of serial killers and the Sacramento area following his work on the Golden State Killer case in episode 10. David Mittelman from Othram Inc., who spoke to us about DNA analysis and advancements that have been made over the years in episode 14. And finally, we need to thank Tracy Meyer. Without Tracy, this season would not have happened. Tracy helped us with documentation and introduced us to many of the people involved in this case. Tracy was a childhood friend of Cindy van der Heiden and continues to work tirelessly to help these families. Just before we finish this season, we have an update on the disappearance of nine-year-old Michaela Garrett, who was featured in episode 11. On December 21st, 2020, 
David Emery Mish, age 59, was arrested for her murder. After a partial palm print that was found on her abandoned scooter was matched to his. Due to the quality of the evidence, a manual comparison was required, which is why there was not a match sooner. Mitch is currently serving time in Santa Rita Jail after being convicted of murder in 1990. He is known to have killed at least three other women. Michaela's mother, Sharon Murch, issued the following statement to the press from her Iowa home. Over the years, I often wondered whether I really wanted to know the truth of what happened to Michaela. I wondered if I would be able to take it. When I received news of the kidnapper having been identified, I asked the hard questions of Detective Purnell of what method this man used to kill his victims and received answers, and they were not easy. When I had doubt whether I wanted to know, it always came back to if Michaela could experience it, I could hear it. Because it's not about me. It's never been about me, about my feelings. It is, and always has been, about Michaela. What I have been through is nothing. What I feel is not important. It is only about Michaela. Our thoughts go out to Michaela's family at this very difficult time. Remember, if you have any information that you think will help any of the cases we have featured, or maybe you know of another victim that we have not covered, please get in touch with the local sheriff's office in San Joaquin County or contact us through our website, www.itsfoulplay.com. We will end this series by sharing the name of victims that we've shared on the maps. Remember, each name represents a person whose life was not only cut short by the actions of another, but also changed their families' lives forever. Dina Viola McCann Henry Howell Paul Kavanaugh Howard King Kimberly Ann Billy Unknown pregnant lady found in well Joanne Hobson Robin Armtrout Chevy Wheeler Gail Marie Mark Michaela Garrett Philip Lloyd Cabo Martin Terry Ann Forchet Tracy Melton Cindy Vanderheiden and all of those other victims that have not yet been identified rest in peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.